We're going to continue in our, our, our faithful series. A, a, few, a few weeks ago, if you didn't get this, you know, I often don't, I often don't bring this up, you know, but we do obviously have all of our, our, our sermons and our, our worships on YouTube or on the iOS store or even on Spotify. But if you did not catch the Q&A with, with Milt Louder, um, that whole thing about your mindset, man, I, we, we've gotten so much response from that and, and for your kids, for how you view life. It, it was really good. And one of the things that, that Milt said to me one day that just stuck in my head was your lens produces your story. Remember when he said that? Your lens produces your story. The, the lens that you look at life through produces how you interpret that story. And, and it's really true. It's all in perspective. It's all in how you look at it. And, and you know, I don't know if, like, if, you, if you're anything like me, but uh, I, 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 love, uh, I love these, these things that, that have more than one meaning. I'm about to... Um, I'm about to do something to you this morning that you're never going to see it the same way after I, I show you this, right? Just to show you about how your lens, you, you've been looking at something and you may not realize you've been looking at something else. I love it when brands do this with their, with their logos, with their brands. Look at the FedEx logo. Most of you don't realize, if, I didn't know it for years, you know there's an arrow in there, right? Look between the E and the X. Do you see it? Look between the E and the X, that white arrow. You're never, ever, ever going to be able to not see that again, right? It's when somebody showed me that, I'm like, oh, where have I been? And, and now, every time I see a FedEx truck, I can only see the white arrow, right? Uh, it's called negative space. And so you're, you tend to focus on something, but sometimes there's something in front of you that you didn't realize was there the whole time. One of my favorites came from a golf club, the Spartan Golf Club. Uh, you see the golfer, right? Look at the golfer. But if you look differently, you see a warrior, Right, you see the idea, and done that stuff. I could do that all day, like just stare at stuff like that. I just think that's so creative how people can really draw up that kind of stuff. So you see, like the Greek warrior there, the Roman warrior. It's like this really, like this this time of way back when, right? When you know Troy or something. It's it's uh, it's really neat how people can do. So it all tends to to be at what you tend to, to look at. And today I'm going to talk to you and tell you and walk you through a story that really was that way. It was all about somebody's perspective. Some would say that, that this guy had the opportunity of a lifetime. But in fact, when you read the story, all you're going to see is that in many ways, because of the lens he was looking at it with, really his, his lens and the way he chose to respond to the story it could have been an opportunity of a lifetime, but in fact, it ended up costing him more than he ever dreamed. And so today, I want you to, to turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. This is the parable of the talents, and, and there's something here. Now, as you're turning to Matthew chapter 25, um, I, I'll tell you something about this verse of Scripture. I, I actually... This is one of those, I, I try not to have a, a favorite verse in the Bible. I try not, because the other ones get jealous if you do that. And, and, but I, I don't just have one specific story that I love, but I will tell you this one is in my top ten. And, and the reason is, I, I probably spent, you may have heard me say this over time as, as, as I've brought up Parable of the Talents. I, I spent about a year 
in this passage. Um, not every day, but at least every week. I, probably 2012, 13, 14, I just camped out in this story. And I wasn't in a hurry. And I'll tell something to you, all of you, that as you study the scriptures, I'm telling you, there's something about giving yourself permission not to move on. There's something about giving yourself permission to stay somewhere. and Because what you've got right here is multiple storylines. And there's multiple people in this story. And I began to read it and read it and read it and read it and, and just kind of take on different perspectives of the story. And so the parable of the talents is a fascinating story to me. And we're going to read it. Here we go. Matthew 25, 14. Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says, for it's just like a man about to go on a journey. So this guy was wealthy. If you could travel in those days, you, you had money. And who He called his slaves and he entrusted his possessions to them. To one, he gave five talents. Now, I'll tell you what a talent is. It depends on who you read historically. But for the most part, I, I believe it's, it's, it's pretty much agreed to that a talent is almost equal to one year's salary. So let's, it's a lot of money, put it that way. To another person, he gave um, two talents, and to another of his servants, he gave one, each according to his own ability. A lot to be said there, we're not going to cover this morning. And he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went, and he traded them. He went and found a way, and he gained five more. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more, doubled. And, and then the one who received one talent, he went away, he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those slaves came back to settle accounts, and he comes back, and he talks to them, and he says in verse 20, the one who had received the five talents came up to him, and he brought five more, saying, master, you entrusted me you entrusted five talents to me. See, I've gained five more. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. A lot to be said there. Can't go into Man, I really want to go into this. This is like a whole month's worth of stuff. Right? And I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. And the master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. Now let me stop for a second and tell you what he meant by that. What, what he's saying is, if you want to put modern day terms on that, you're a venture capitalist. What you do is you take money that, that you really didn't have to work for, you just invested it well, and then you took profits out of that money, and you invested it somewhere else, right? This guy was really smart with his money. And so he, he, he said, you're, I, I know, you're a hard man. And, and, and he says, verse 25, and I was afraid. Think about that. And I went away, and I hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours? But the master answered and he said to him, you wicked, lazy servant. Okay, not the thing you want to hear from your boss on a Monday morning. You knew that I reap where I did not sow 
and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, now he's speaking to all of them now, therefore take away the talent from it and give it to the one who has ten. For everyone who has more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. And throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness, in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, it doesn't end well, does it? Um, no, it doesn't. So what, what you see here is that perspective changes everything. This is such a rich story. So you see two men who saw that there, did you notice how they say, hey, master, you entrusted me. There's excitement in that. Hey, you, you gave me an opportunity. And one said, no, master, you're harsh. You see, your lens produces your story. He felt like the master was a harsh man. Therefore, he acted in a way that he felt, I was afraid. What he saw about the master dictated how he acted. And, how that, and so, in effect, that's the baseline of our passage this morning. The baseline of this, the walk away, the takeaway is simply this, that my belief about God will determine my actions with money. We're going to talk this morning about money. Actually, we're going to talk about investing. My beliefs about God. My beliefs about God will determine my actions with money. See, what you believe fuels what you do, right? Whatever you believe in on anything fuels what you do. Today, I'm going to talk to you about being faithful with investing. And I'm not talking about day trading, okay? I'm, talk, I'm not talking about your 401k. I'm talking about investing your life in the way that God gives you in terms of your finances. We're going to talk about being faithful with investing. And so there's a, a, a couple of key principles that I want to share with you this morning. And it's really hard for me. I'm having to practice like uber discipline, which is really hard when you've got Afrin and Sudafed going on, on, on in, in a time of, you know, you know for me, because I, I want to go like all over the place with this, because there's so much here that we could talk about, but I'm not. I'm just going to talk to you about three key foundations when it comes to investing. And the first is this, that God wants me to see money as his investment in me. So if you're taking notes, write that down. It, God wants me to see money as his investment in me. Can we all agree that God owns it all? I mean, God owns it all. You know how we all, you know, you think, well, I don't know, Jay. Let me tell you how I can prove it to you. If you lost your job today, are you going to pray for another one? Yes, you are. Because you know that God has the supernatural ability to bring you a career. See, God owns it all. So what, what, the, what the master did, is it's, it's really fascinating here. You've got to understand, this was unheard of behavior from a master. You didn't do this. I mean, this is the kind of guy at the bank, they talk about him. Like, wait a minute. All that land and all that cattle and all that money and all those ranches and all your riches, you're just going to walk away. And when you do, you're going you're, you're to give your portfolio and the passwords where they can, you know, do all this stuff. And you're just going to go away for a while. Like, 
That's a special level of stupid. That's what they're going to say at the bank. Like, his financial advisor, his investment planner is calling this guy up and going, hey, man, seriously, we've moved to a different level. I've got a counselor for you, and we're going to walk you through, because I don't know what you're going through, but you're about to lose everything, and then you're going to blame me for all of it, because I'm your investment planner, and you did it, and I need a written statement, a full disclosure statement, that this is your decision. Because masters just didn't do that. They just didn't do that. So the master entrusts them with it. But yet, look at, look at the difference. Look at the two ways they, I got it up there for you. Two of them said, Master, you entrusted me. One said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. You see, your lens produces your story. Your lens produces your story. That word hard, it, 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 in its most essence of the wooden sense, it, it would mean harsh. You ever been around a harsh person? Like I'm talking about like, you ever worked for anybody that you made a mistake? Well, you didn't make mistakes because if you did, you lost your job. And so what you did is you played it really, 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 really safe. And you just do whatever they tell you. It's the, it, it, that's what happens, right? You, you, you can't, there's no freedom to, to make decisions. There's no freedom to, to fail. So, so this guy, he said, I think you are a harsh man. It's fascinating to me that two servants saw this as the opportunity of a lifetime. And one saw it as nothing but a set of problems. Now, there's always been something. It, it, this stuck me for several months back when I spent that year going through this. It, it, it landed in, in verse 26. I kept meditating on verse 26 because the master said to him, You wicked, lazy servant. Now, I understand lazy. I grew up the son of a small business owner, okay? I, I, don't, there's, I have situational awareness in some things, and I don't have situational awareness in others. I have discernment on some things, and then there's certain things that I don't have discernment on. But I will tell you, I don't know why I got it. I think it's because I grew up the son of a small business owner, and I grew up uh, the, the grandson of a World War II combat veteran, and I grew up around men that believed in work. And so you do it. And you hush and do your job, you know, kind of stuff. And, and so I have, I, I have a, a really big, keen nose for lazy. Like, I can sniff it out, man. I don't know why, but I can spot it. I can spot it. And, and I've always been able to do that. And so, I, and I think it was because even academically, I was never the greatest student. So I just would decide to outwork you. People think I'm joking all the time when I say that I'm living proof you can get a doctorate on extra credit. Because I did it. They weren't used to that on the doctoral level. For me walking up to professors saying, hey, what can I do to make, chain, make this thing go a little higher? You know. But, but I would just outwork them. And, and, and so... So he calls, I get lazy, because lazy, lazy is, is, is something, there's something going on there. And that, that, that's going to bleed into, God, God does want me to see that, 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 that the, the investment comes from him, because the master gave it, but then there's this issue of wicked and lazy. And that leads me to the second foundation we're going to pour into for a minute. We're going to unpack that. God wants me to invest his money in his cause. God wants me to invest his money. God gave me. He, want, he, he wants to entrust me. Money is his investment in me. If he owns it all, and he does, if he owns it all, then he's, he's entrusting it to me. 
And if he, if, he, if he does own it all, then what does he want me to invest it in? Well, he wants me to invest it in his cause, and I'm going to tell you why in a minute. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. So let's get inside the mind of this guy for a minute. Let's get inside the mind, right? If, 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 this, if we could get inside the mind of this servant that only had the one talent, right? And he saw the master as a harsh man. By the way, if you want to study the New Testament parables, this is the best way to do it. Treat it like method acting. Seriously. Treat it like method acting. When I spent that year, I would literally, sometimes I would get up in the morning and I would say, okay, today I'm only going to be the master. I'm only going to be the master. So I'd put on the glasses of the master. And I would only look at this from the master's perspective. And I would spend weeks there. And then sometimes I would get up one morning and I'd say, okay, I'm only going to look at this as the guy. I'm going to give him a fair shot. I'm going to put my lenses. I'm I'm only going to look at this as if I am the man that Jesus said is wicked and lazy. Why would he say that about me? What would be the reason? And so as I began to unpack that, what I learned as we get inside his mind, because Jesus calls him lazy. I get lazy. Lazy is a lifestyle. But wicked, well, no, that's a spiritual condition. That's different. Wicked is different than lazy. Lazy is a lifestyle. Wicked is a spiritual condition. So what was it about this guy that would make the master, who in this case is God, what would make the master call him wicked? Well, to understand that, you've got to read the entire chapter. Because Jesus goes on down to talk about the kingdom of God. And he goes on down talking about furthering the kingdom of God. He, after these verses, we're not going to get into them this morning, but he starts talking about the sheep and the goats. He starts talking about eternity. He starts talking about doing kingdom things. And so what you see with this guy is the reason that he was wicked, it's because he was selfish. So what do you mean? How, how is he selfish, Jason? Oh, I can tell you how he was selfish. Because he gives himself away, he gives himself away in verse 25, I was afraid. I was afraid. You see, selfishness or fear in this particular case, when you are, when you are living in fear, what do you do? You think about you constantly. When you're living in fear, you think about you. That's what, I mean, all of us have done it. Y'all are looking at me like y'all have never felt that way before. I don't believe it about any of you. We've all been afraid, right? Fear will make you selfish. So he, he had a toxic view of the master. He was afraid of him. You see, your belief about God will determine your actions with money. So when you get inside this guy's head, he was really interested in self-preservation. That's the key here. Don't miss that. He was interested in self-preservation. Because the two guys that get the talent, they get the five and the two, immediately it says, immediately they go out and they start looking. And by the way, this is a little bit of assumption here, but I'm going to bet you that servants in those days never took a college course on you know, healthy investment plans. Right? I mean, these guys are, you know, they, they didn't get to walk up to the banks. They didn't get to go to the marketplace. They didn't get to go say, I tell you what, how can I, how can I take this money he's given me and start a new venture? How can I take this money and, and start a new idea? I mean, these guys had never done that. This is a big deal. Opportunity of a lifetime. 
But this one guy, he says, no, 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 no. The master, here's what he's going to do, y'all. Here's what he's going to do. If I, if I blow this, well, he's going to kill us. He's going to kill me. Like, not metaphorically. He is going to kill me. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to find me a shovel. And I'm going to hide this thing. And all y'all are stupid. Because when he comes back, I'm going to be the last man standing. It didn't work out that way, did it? So he goes and he, can you imagine? I put my thoughts at times. Can you imagine him digging that hole? You ever dug a hole? It's not fun. All right? Even with post hole diggers. My granddaddy, I'm like, granddaddy, can you please invest in an auger? Like, this would be great. But post hole diggers wear you out. Woo! All day long. Woo! Doing that stuff, right? And then your deltoids are killing you. Some of y'all are, y'all are city people. Y'all need to get some life experience. All right? Break a sweat. I'm just kidding. Laugh! It's, that's a good joke. Look, so he's digging a hole. Can you imagine with this shovel? He's going to kill me. Pulling it out, throwing the dirt. I didn't want this. I didn't ask for this. I didn't need this. Messing up my life. And then he takes it. He throws it in the ground. He throws up. He said, I'll tell you what, when this guy comes back, I'm going to be ready. It didn't work out that way. So we know that he really was looking out for himself. And here's what he wanted. He wanted a life, this is important, he wanted a life without risk. And that just isn't possible. He wanted a life without risk. See, God gives me his money. God gives me, if he owns it all, he gives me his money to invest. And to do that, I have to be willing to take risk because the gospel doesn't move forward with no risk. The, God, the kingdom can't, that's why Jesus goes into the kingdom talk here. The kingdom can't move forward with no risk. I'm going to tell you, friends, what Melinda just read a minute ago in Psalm 40. Psalm 40 tells us to sing a new song. I'm telling you right now, the Lord has put it strong on my heart. It is time for our church to sing a new song. It is time for our church to sing a new song. Listen, man, God just brought us through a pandemic. We're all still here. We're, we're, actually, we're doing more than just surviving. We're thriving. We're, we're, we're making it. And we've got new days ahead. And I'm telling you, come August 22nd, you better get ready. I'm coming. All of me. I mean, I'm going to fast for days. I'm going to get ready for that. And I'm coming. Because I believe that God wants us to sing a new song about a new future. For this church, I really do. This guy was into self-preservation. He wanted a life with no risk. And so what he was doing was he was thinking he was playing it safe. But the gospel can't move forward if we keep doing it the way we've always done it. Henry Ford said, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Right? That'll preach, even though it's not biblical. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. This guy, didn't want, he didn't want the responsibility Because he was afraid. Don't miss that, friend. Verse 25, he was afraid. His fear dictated his lens. 
What you believe about God will determine how you act with the money God gives you. His fear dictated his lens, and it bred selfishness. So often, I'm going to tell you, fear, fear is often disguised as cautious wisdom. Did you hear me? Fear is often disguised as cautious wisdom. Now, I'm not talking about being impulsive. Being impulsive is not healthy, right? But you ask anybody that's really good in the business sector, and they will tell you there are times that you must take money and infuse it to make things happen. You just have to do that sometimes. You have to take money and infuse it to jumpstart some things so what we often end up doing is we're so afraid, we, we just call it using really good wisdom. And I'm going to tell you, some of you need to check your, check your wisdom and make sure it's not fear. Because, boy, that can get really messed up sometimes. And here's what fear does. Fear is going to breed selfishness. That guy was afraid, it bred selfishness. But here's what selfishness did. Selfishness bred toxic decisions. Follow me now for a minute. Fear breeds selfishness. Selfishness breeds toxic decisions. He was looking out for himself. So he made a toxic decision. And what he did is he buried it in the ground. The other two guys saw it as an opportunity of a lifetime. Fear breeds selfishness. Selfishness breeds toxic decisions. And toxic decisions always breed toxic consequences. Toxic decisions always breed toxic consequences. You cannot sow in fear and reap in joy. Do you hear me? You can't sow in fear and reap in joy. And it's not going to happen. Some of you, even in your, in your own life, sometimes the, I've seen people that, that they don't have peace about money because they're not faithful with money. When you're faithful, peace comes with it. So, so this guy was looking out for himself and he made bad decisions and those bad decisions produced a different story. Fear will produce a story. Look at anybody you know that is somebody that I would call that just lives in high-octane fear. They're hard to deal with because they're scared. It's just the way life works. Oh, they're not bad people. They've put on bad glasses, right? Some of you need to understand, you're not a bad person. Listen to me. If you live with a lot of anxiety, if you do, I mean, that, that people, in fact, 2020 was nationally, maybe it was the highest anxiety level we've had in our nation's history. You're not a bad person. You're just wearing the wrong glasses. Go to Dollar General and buy you some new ones for a dollar. Dollar twenty-five, one of the best things I ever did. Bought some readers, changed my life one day. You know, I'm not kidding. I got up here one day to preach a sermon and realized I couldn't see that, and I didn't have it memorized. And I thought, oh no. Sometimes you just fake it till you make it as a preacher, and that's what I did that day. I did. Not kidding. Now I got these things, buddy. 
And I put them on and off when I need them. See, fear can paint a story. And so what you got to end up doing is get a new set of lenses. Because I told you, my beliefs about God will determine my actions with money. And it's so prevalent. I wrote it down so you wouldn't forget it. My beliefs about God will determine my actions with money. That's the heartbeat of this story. That's the heartbeat of this story. That God gave all three of these dudes. He gave them something. And two of them wanted it as an opportunity to have time. And one of them didn't want it at all. So I told you that God... God gives me money to his money to invest in him. He gives me money to invest in his causes, but here's why. Stay with me. Here's why he does it. This is the reason that God gives you money to invest. God wants me to invest in his causes because kingdom causes last forever. That's why he wants you to invest there. It's why in the scriptures he tells you to bring the first ten percent, not the leftover. Bring your tithe to the storehouse. Take the first 10. If, you, if you're into a, a monthly budget, some of you are really good about that. You have your family budget. Let me tell you what needs to be on the top line of that budget before, before taxes. Hey, it ain't God's fault that Caesar takes money from you, right? That's not God's fault. The first thing on, the, on, on, on your monthly budget should be Honor God with joy with my money. Honor God with joy with my money. See, when you know the why, well, then the how makes sense, right? When you know the why, the how makes sense. God wants me to invest in his causes because kingdom causes last forever. It's not a, a deep statement, but, boy, it's a clarifying statement because we can invest in all of these things that really, at the end of the day, don't really matter. You know, I don't think, I don't think that our fear should be that we fail. I think our fear should be that we succeed at something that doesn't matter. What if we all end up being successes and it doesn't even matter? The only thing, friends, listen to me. The only thing that lives until Jesus comes, your kids aren't even going to live forever. They'll, if they're in Christ, they'll live forever. I mean, on this earth, from the day of today until the day Jesus comes, the only thing that lives beyond you comes down to what you gave to. What did you invest in? What did you invest in? You see, there's something really interesting about this master that hit me one day. There's something missing from this story. I found it to be conspicuously absent from the story. Because this man did something that, that really, it was out of character. Well, this whole thing's out of character. One, as I said, he masters just didn't act like this but there was something this will bless you this will bless you he did something that investors just don't do he never asked for his money back he never asked for his money back he never asked for a return on investment now, he did say, well, you should have put it in the bank. What he was saying was, well, if you really do think I'm a hard man, well, then at least you could have gone to the bank. It was a hypothetical. 
It wasn't saying you should have done that. He said, if you, well, if you really believe this about me, well, then you should, if you're going to do that, then at least. But with the two, the two men that went and invested his money, he never asked for it back. No venture capitalist does that. They want to be the last in and the first out when it comes to money. They want to be the last in with their money and the first ones out. Some of them even put that in writing. He, he didn't ask for a return on investment. They, 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 they had an opportunity of a lifetime. And the reason that, that this wicked servant was tossed out into the night where the ware was weeping and, and gnashing of teeth is because he had, he had no long-term view of money. Don't miss that. He had no long-term view of money. He only had a right-now view of money. He only had a right-now view of investing but you see, when you understand that it all comes from God, and God gives it to me, and he wants me to invest it, but he wants me to invest it in his causes, then, then I just become a conduit. I just become a vehicle. I just become the mailman. I'm just delivering. God brings it, he gives it to me, he tells me what to do with it, and, I do, and I'm obedient with it. See, he wants me to invest in kingdom things because kingdom things last forever. I'm not saying you shouldn't invest in earthly things. Oh, my stars don't hear me say that. I'm not saying you shouldn't and have money for your retirement and money for your insurance, money for your kids, money for your grandkids. That is great. But I'm telling you, friends, the only thing that lasts forever are eternal things. And that's where our appetite, Jesus spoke to it constantly. He spoke to it in his first sermon. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where people can steal them and break in and take them. But put your treasures in the eternal things where nobody can steal them. And then he drops the bomb on all of us when he said, Never forget, friends, where your treasure is is an indicator of where your heart already is. Not where it's going. It's where it already is at. Now, God wants me to invest in kingdom causes because they last forever. So here's the question. What do we do now? What do we do with this? What, what, what do we do? What, what, what's our next step? Some of you are financially faithful to the Lord. You're financially faithful as investing What, what, but what do we do? What, what do all of us do when it comes to honoring God and trusting God to be who he says he's going to be? Well, I, I would say to you two things. One, I would say if you are not, if you are not investing in the kingdom of God through a tithe off of the money God gives you. Notice I didn't say your money. I said the money God gives you. If you're not doing that, then what I would say is get some coaching. Listen, we have this thing called the internet. I mean, you can get a financial counselor, which is smart, but even if you just want to wade into the waters, there is so much healthy content for free on the internet about how to get your life in order financially. Get a coach. I believe in coaches. I've believed in coaches my whole life. I believe that all of us 
all of our lives, we need somebody looking at us. We need somebody to help us get better. I believe in the power of a coach. You know why? Because I believe in the Word of God, specifically Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11 says this, Proverbs 11, 14, where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. I love that verse. You, you can be at what I call a wisdom surfer. Let me tell you something, man. If I don't know what to do, you know what? I, I've, got, I've had bad habits in my life, and I've still got some bad habits, but I've got, I've got a few good habits, and one of my good habits is I don't like not knowing. I hate it. I hate not knowing. So I will seek out people that know. If I'm going to build a patio on my house, you better believe if you've ever done that, I'm coming to find you. Tell me what you learned. I don't want to waste money. I don't want to waste time. Tell me what you learned. In the, in the business world, it's called due diligence, to do your research before you take that jump. But I'm telling you, if you don't exactly know what to do and how to get financially healthy, listen to me. Get a coach. Do not be proud. Do not be proud. What is, okay, what does that verse say? Where there's no counsel, the people fall. In the multitude of counselors, there's safety. I remember Proverbs saying something else about people that fall. They fall, it says, pride comes before the fall. So many people are so, so full of pride or shame or what are they going to think about me? Who cares? You're broke. Right? I mean, if you're broke, who cares what they think? I don't want to be, I want to be fixed. I don't want to be broke. I want to be fixed. Get a coach. But I want to tell you one other thing. If you don't know what to do, I would, with all of my heart, maybe you're watching at home, maybe you're over in the chapel, maybe you're listening on a podcast down the road from this time, I want to tell you, obey God. When it comes to your money, now I'm not, don't show it yet, this week as I was working through this message, the Lord really gave me a word. He did. And, and the word was about obedience. Because I know that if you haven't been investing his money the way he wants you to, it can be a fearful thing. I, I'm serious. I, I, I want you to know I, I have sympathy. For, I really do. Get a coach, but obey God. You draw a line in the sand, and you say, you know what? The next paycheck, I'm honoring God because it came from him. If you're married, you take the hand of your husband or wife and you say, honey, we're going to stop living in disobedience. And the word God gave me was this. You are never wrong obeying God, and you are never right by delaying obedience. I want you to think about that. You're never wrong obeying God. There's n I have never, ever, 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 never, ever, ever, never seen a single verse in Scripture that says, obey God later. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. Wait to obey. I've, I've, I've seen God say, wait. I've seen him say, be patient. 
I've seen him say take action in the scriptures, and I've seen him say slow down in the scriptures. I've seen him say wait, have discernment, seek counsel. I've never seen a single verse in the scriptures that say delay obedience. No. You're never wrong. Listen to me, friend. Do you think, for, listen to me, I'm telling come on in here close. All right? Get up in here real tight. If God is sovereign, do you think if you began to obey him with the money that he gave you, do you think he doesn't know what to do? Do you think he's, he's in the heaven, he's going, I hope that works out for you. He gave you that commandment. He gave you his grace. The call of God will never take you where the grace of God can't keep you. That's what I heard a man say once. If God, God is calling you, if he's calling you to be faithful, don't delay it. You're never wrong obeying God on any level. Some of you are already financially faithful. Maybe this is a word for you about your fear. Maybe this is a word for you about something else not related to your investment. You're never wrong obeying God, but you're never right delaying obedience. Start honoring the Lord. And I'm telling you, friend, your life will open up. Your trust will open up. Your lenses will open up. Your perspective will open up. You will begin to see things you never dreamed possible. And God can do that. He can do that for you. And I know you can do it. I know you can. I know you can be obedient to God. I know you can. There's nothing like it. Walking in the freedom that says, you know, God, you, I, I'm going to die with nothing. Anyway, I'm going to trust you with what I got now. And I'm going to live like it. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter, but sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world is sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.